You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. Never lose eye contact. Never. Never. I need it to love. And Maddie Rose. It's tough when you need six to beat the Yeah. What, sorry? On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. The voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960. Derek Wills, he'll have the call tonight as the Flames continue their five-game road trip to start off this season. Good team bonding. Good. Get on the road. Do that bonding and stuff. Mangiapane took Coronado for a nice Italian meal. Oh, yeah. In Pittsburgh on the weekend. Mm. It's great. It's good team bonding. Manja, manja. Yeah, good team bonding. Took them to Eastside Mario's, baby. Because the Flames uh, playing nine of their first ten games last season at home is the reason why they missed the playoffs. Or they just couldn't score in a shootout or overtime. There was that, too. Yeah, well, and then there was, the, you know, the at first shots at, and goals. And then yeah, was, that didn't help either. There's that. Yeah. There was, yeah, there was like eight things that were yeah, a problem. Yeah, there was a lot of issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, Basically, everything you did last year, don't yeah. do that again. Yeah, I just think uh, we as hockey fans and media uh, talk about the schedule way too much. Oh. Like, as reasons for, you know. And again, it's way easier to play in the East than it is in the West because of the travel, and I understand all that. Like, the, sure. the team that travels the most is the Dallas Stars. Yep. Based on their location, Calgary's up there too. Calgary has to do a lot of flying, mm-hmm. but also the way they fly is a lot nicer than me getting a sixty dollar flight home. Well, like I'm not. I'm not flying like the Calgary Flames are flying. No, that's that's for sure. Yeah, that would be accurate. Uh, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS at eight o'clock. We're trying to connect with our man uh, Sammy Cosentino, NHL draft analyst for Sportsnet, analyst on Sportsnet too. Um, we're definitely going to talk a ton of flames this hour too. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much joy are you taking in the Oilers losing to the Canucks the first two games of the season? Like, I if if it wasn't the Canucks, it would be good because mm-hmm. um, now I'm kind of worried about the, being like an Eastern team, the club twice over in a row. over province over. Yeah, like if this was like the Sabers or yeah. you know Rangers or the Devils. Yeah, I'd be I would be ecstatic with that. Even like if it was the Blackhawks. Someone like that, that mm-hmm. would be great. The yeah. Blues, sure. Yeah, someone in the in the Central, no problem. But um yeah, this has been good to watch. I'm yep. enjoying this as much as as much as you can. Didn't get to watch a ton of the game on Saturday. I was at a at a bit of a wedding, so I just kind of caught the highlights of Saturday's game. Oilers all over this score sheet on the power play, shocker. Yep. But at five and five, they continue to struggle. Um I was perusing I also Elias Pedersen's having a hell of a start yeah he is here. and uh they're worried about Elias. their goaltending in Edmonton and I don't think there's any solution outside of they just need to play better they allowed 16 shots and four goals yeah I think 16 shots that's a that's a pretty good defensive night yeah that's yeah. only give up 16 Quick shots math, uh that's a 750 save percentage looking at you go I don't think that's going to get it done in the NHL nope Yep. Nope, nope. And they have nowhere to go. Isn't where are they going to go? Done. Like, where are they going to go? They're going to trade Campbell. Uh, nobody's going to take what do you that mean, contract. Trade That's what I mean. Like, what? What? what do you think you would have to attach to trade the Jack Campbell contract for four more years at five million dollars? Oh boy, first plus. Well, yeah, first plus what? It has to be top prospect and first, probably, just to take Jack Campbell. Like, if I'm Montreal, I'm calling the Oilers about Jack Campbell. 
Oh, it's four years, though. Yeah, I know. Four but they got a ton of cap space. Yeah, but four years. Yeah, and it's also going what? up. Yeah, but, but you still have to have him there. I know. He's a really good guy, though. Yeah, he's good but, in the room. Yeah, but what if he's sad because he's not playing? Yeah. Is he still going to be sad. good? He's sad. Probably because he takes a lot of things hard when he gets scored on. Yes, he does. Yeah, but they got an issue uh, goaltending up north. Like, Skinner's got to just be spectacular for them. Well, and like, Matthias Ekholm did he's play got, in this game. Yeah. But I, you know, saw some some of the people I follow who cover the Oilers saying, I don't know if Ekholm looks right. We had talked to Frank back on Friday. Yeah. And Frank had said he's got some real worry with, you know, showing up to camp with a hip injury. Not that it's on Eckholm or anything like that, but as mm-hmm. far as, like, the types of things, this is like when you have a player on your fantasy team and he's like, oh, he's just been dealing with a hamstring for all of training camp. You're like, yeah. no, I don't, no. Hamstrings and football players are not good. Hips and hockey players, no good. not good. Um, Flames take on the Capitals tonight in Washington. Matthew Phillips, uh, his new team playing his former team. Bubba. And uh, he's a guy that, uh, very polarizing, on Flames Twitter as well, sure. um, Matthew Phillips. I'm asking you too on 960, 960, uh, name and location. Um, does Matthew, do you want Matthew Phillips to score tonight against the Flames? If so, why? If not, why? We'll do that at 830. But I think there is a, a thought out there that the guy just wasn't given a fair chance in Calgary with the big team to get a kind of longer look because a three-game sample size playing in the bottom six for a guy that isn't a bottom six type player because he's a skilled forward. Maybe wasn't enough of a sample to see whether or not he could stick with the Calgary Flames and be an impact player. I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement. It, it's kind of true. Like they didn't give him a, a good enough look here, but at the same time, let's not forget the Flames were tooth and nail to make it to the playoffs. They couldn't really afford to give a guy a look, you know, in the top six because they were already struggling enough to score a goal. Maybe that was more of a reason for you to try him in the top six. Mm. But did Matthew Phillips get a fair shake in Toronto, Matty? In Toronto, in Calgary. You put a a little money in the jar there, I think. Yeah, sorry. Did he get a fair look in the NHL? No. With the Flames, specifically. No. No. I never really did think that, in fair such a word to use, he had done everything that he could down in the AHL, but everything that he could do down in the AHL was still not enough to convince certain individuals that he was going to be a player that could have an impact on the game. And I think that as his name kept being brought up, yeah, it continued to almost make it harder for the player to, to get into the lineup. And then when he finally did, he wasn't playing a whole lot. He was limited minutes. They were sheltered type of minutes. Like, I would push back a little bit on that he's not a bottom six guy. I don't think he's a fourth line guy. I think he's a middle six guy. I don't think he's a top six player. I don't think he's a top line player. But I think that he's someone who can be in your middle six, who can be in your second power play, who can help you create a little bit of offense that way, maybe chip in with some five-on-five goals. But a great season for Matthew Phillips is not going to be like 65 to 75 points, I don't think. Um could I share a baseball analogy with both of you? By all means. Uh, when it comes to Matthew Phillips. Sometimes guys are 4A players. And by that, I mean they're too good for AAA, but maybe just not good enough for the major leagues. Hmm. Maybe Matthew Phillips is just a 4A player, and there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe he wasn't given a long enough look, and we've seen a ton of those guys you know, come and go in baseball that they, they dominate in the American Hockey League 
but just those skills just don't transfer over to the best league in the world. And obviously, when it comes to Matthew Phillips, size is an issue. The dude's the smallest guy in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And guys that size, you have to be really, really dynamic. Like, Cole Caulfield isn't that much bigger than Matthew Phillips, but Matthew Phillips doesn't have Cole Caulfield's shot. No. Or his kind of elusiveness. And Cole Caulfield missed a lot of time with a shoulder injury because that's what happens when, when you're, you're that smaller. Big. Yeah, and bigger dudes run into you. And you're a winger, so you're always yeah. on the boards and you're getting squeezed. Right. And and people say, well, Johnny Goudreau's not the biggest guy either, but Johnny Goudreau's skating is far more superior than what Matthew Phillips is. Again, when you're that size, you have to be incredibly dynamic. And is he a good, skilled player? Yes. Is he super dynamic? Look at Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner's not a big guy, but his his Hell, edge work is it's right up there as the best in the NHL. Nathan Gerby, man, was 5'4". Yeah. And he played 464 games in the NHL. Yep. If Matthew Phillips can get even to half of that, he'd be doing all right. Like, right. Look at what happened with Jeff Skinner, right? If he's just getting his career back on track after concussions totally derailed everything he right. was doing. But also about Jeff Skinner, incredible skater. Once again, these yeah. small guys, this, this is something that has to happen for him. Yeah. But also, like, and I would love for him to have success. He's a Calgary guy. Sure. I've got a lot of love for that. Yeah. Um, I think what you said is is one of the things that I always think about with this young man. Like, you want to be one of the best players in the AHL. That's a really good way to... Nothing wrong with that. Pretty good way to make a living. Yeah. Um, there are guys who are 4A players. It's just the way it is. Yeah. They dominate at the highest level of minor ho- minor league hockey. But when you get to the big show, it's it's the big show. It's harder to, uh, you know, translate those skills. Yeah. I was thinking that we should use the big show theme but as hey, our theme. Like, but anyway, that's, that's a side note. Like Craig, I thought about that. Put it on the whiteboard. Yeah. Conroy offered him a two-year deal, and he was like, hey, no, I'm going to go take my luck. I'm going to go get a one-way, one-year deal, go prove myself with Washington. So he could have mm-hmm. stayed here in an organization he's known forever. But fair, you know, good for him to go out in there and try and make himself, sure. make something of himself. I want this guy. I wish this guy the best. I want him to have mm-hmm. the that's best right. career that he can make for himself. And here he's got a chance. He's playing third line minutes with the Washington Capitals. He's got a good group around him. New coaches there. Got Sonny Milano on that other wing. <laughs> yeah, you you just love throwing that in there. But uh, but again, just kind of circling back to what I asked you originally, did he get a fair shake here no, in Calgary? He did not. Once but again, again fair is a tough word to use. But, but think of the situation that he could have done down there, and. I think that a lot of people would argue that there was opportunity to have. There were maybe some players that could have watched a game or a couple of games or not taken that extra double shift in the mm-hmm. third period when you were trailing by three and your team was already out of it. Yeah. Things like that. Um, in the end, it's going to be one of those things that you kind of look back at. I do expect him to have a nice little career here in the NHL. Good, I hope he does. Um but what is going to be the ceiling for him? Well, that's hard to say. Is he going to be on teams that win a lot? Like, I think Matthew Phillips, if he was on the Anaheim Ducks, he'd have a pretty good year. He'd probably be able to find a nice well, offensive role with some really good sure. offensively talented players. He wouldn't be asked to do a whole lot. Somebody has to score on bad teams. Mm-hmm. And, and those numbers get inflated because, as I said, somebody's got to score on bad teams. Like, years ago, Mikhail Grabowski 
yes. for the Leafs uh, was scoring. Yes. He was an, uh, I think he was an Bravo. all-star. Yeah, he was an all-star. Like that guy, he was scoring on a bad team. Like yep. somebody has to score on a bad team. And again, uh, Matthew Phillips going to be interesting. Super nice little uh, intriguing matchup. Just three games into the Calgary Flame season. You play him uh, in Washington tonight. You know what's going to be another little fun side story to this matchup? Yes. Flames PK, 7 for 7 to start the season. Mm. Capitals power play, Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. I don't really, I have, I have no other points. I don't know what their numbers are like. but And I feel like when it comes to um, Ovechkin and the Capitals, mm-hmm. I feel like they're just, you know, okay, Ovi. This is just break the goals record. This is what our franchise is all about right now. If you get 30 more per for the next couple of years, then outstanding work. We're going to hit the record, and, th- and that's what we need. Yeah, we that's need what we're doing. We do that as a capital. Yeah. That's the biggest thing for us. That's what we're doing. And if you can't do it, well, I guess we'll just start rebuilding later then. Yeah. We'll just move on. For sure. Um, Sam Cosentino. Sportsnet NHL draft analyst, Sportsnet analyst, joined us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Barkist Hotline. Hello, sir. How are you? A wee bit late. Sorry. I That's okay. Don't forget the phone trick. That's all right. It happens. Um, wanted to ask you. I apologize. No, totally fine, Sammy. Um, we appreciate your time. Uh, wanted to ask you when it comes to Matthew Phillips. We're having the big Matthew Phillips conversation. Clearly the Flames uh, playing in Washington tonight. Matthew Phillips is a guy a lot of the fan base says maybe didn't get a good enough look here with Calgary. Maybe the three games wasn't a big enough sample size. Did he get a fair shake here in Calgary, Sammy? I think in the Daryl Sutter regime, he was never probably going to get a fair shake. I mean, Daryl is very clear about what he wants, how he wants his guys to play. He has a great appreciation for size. And if you're looking at Matthew Phillips, you might – uh, be able to give up a little bit on the size part if you're going to be a top six guy. And there was no way Matthew Phillips was going to walk into that situation and be a top six guy. So as a bottom six guy, you better have size. And you better have meanness, toughness, whatever it is. That's not Matthew's game. And, and I'm not saying that Matthew's going to walk into Washington and be a top six guy, but I think he can be an effective third line player and, and produce. I mean, yeah, he, he's been up against it since I was watching him in Victoria at 16 years old. He was always up against it, and he answered every single question, and his numbers in the American Hockey League say that he deserves a fair shake. So good on Washington for, for recognizing that, for giving him an opportunity. We'll see how it works out. Is he going to be a 10-, 15-year guy? I don't know if that's ever going to be the case for Matthew, but I do believe that he deserves a fair shake and a good long run where he can get opportunity to play over 10 minutes per game. And I think you'll find that extremely coachable. We'll be able to produce a little bit and be someone that everyone wants to have on the team. Uh, Sammy, I want to get your uh, opinion on this. You back in the day did a great job of covering the Blue Jays for Sportsnet. Is Matthew Phillips maybe just a 4A player? He could very well be that. But there hasn't been a long enough leash given to him hmm. to prove otherwise. And And – the one thing I know about Matthew is that every time he's been asked to prove something, he's done it. The National Hockey League hasn't given him that opportunity. Now it's tough. It's a business. It's big money. I get all of that. But I do think there's a position to give him at least a run where he's not looking over his shoulder. Am I going to show up today? Is the coach going to like me? Am I going to sit in the bench and warm the bench where he knows he can play regularly? And I think a guy like Spencer Carberry has a great appreciation of younger players, of skilled players, is going to is going to give him that run. So uh, good on him right now, you know, with being a cheap option, that's the helpful thing too. 
But if you had to long-term it, he might just be that 4A guy. But I'd mm. like for him to at least have the opportunity to prove otherwise. Wanted to ask you about the Flames uh, through a couple of games. I'm wondering what your biggest takeaway is from this group because we've seen a couple of things that are maybe positives. The top line is leading the club in, in points. you got Jacob Markstrom playing very well despite a win and a loss. What's been maybe your biggest takeaway from watching the Flames in a couple of games? Well, the first game for sure, you know, like Markstrom, Markstrom stole that game. I, you know, I think Calgary was, was outplayed badly in that game, and that's probably not something you're going to see very often in the, in the Ryan Huska era. But I do think there's still a lot of that, that that has to happen. The implementation of guys like Coronado into the lineup, is, it's going to take some time, um, and it's going to take some time to get used to playing a different style. It's going to take some time for this group to understand that it, it can make some mistakes and rather than have that be punishment, be used more as learning experiences to get better. All of that stuff is going to take some time to to get in and yeah i understand that you know the preseason it offers you more game opportunity really than practice opportunity the preseason because of how heavy the schedules are these days so it's going to take a little time i like what i see so far markstrom for me is the biggest key if he can play free and loose and, and happy um that in and of itself will probably be the difference between calgary being in and out of the playoffs this year a thought on uh, Matt Coronado's start to his NHL career. I know you look at the box score, dash six doesn't look so good, but that shot yesterday sure did, yeah. or Saturday. Yeah, yeah, the, the dash six. And again, young players going to have to learn through some mistakes, but hopefully the learning through the mistakes is going to give him an opportunity to produce enough to keep him uh, you know, regularly in the lineup and in a good spot. But Matthew's a, a dog and a bone type of guy. And again, once he gets comfortable in the situation with his line mates, the coaching staff, I think he's, he's going to be a guy that's going to do really well for the Flames. So like what I'm seeing so far, yeah, attention to detail, play away from the puck. Those are always the toughest things for young players to get used to, especially coming out of the college game. And yes, I know there was some, a bit of time there last year, but it, it'll take some time. But I think he's, uh, he's going to be a really good productive player here down the road. Sam Cosentino, NHL draft analyst, Sportsnet uh, analyst, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Big show, Russick and Rose. Just two games. What have you seen uh, the Flames look differently, maybe under with Ryan Huska behind the bench, than maybe Daryl Sutter, Sammy? Well, I think it's, there's probably going to be a little more creativity allowed in the game. There's going to be less of the, the, the dump and go pound the puck. There's going to be a little bit less of the north-south hockey and a little bit more of what today's hockey looks like in terms of being a little more east-west creativity puck possession i think those things are those kind of key points are going to be what differs from what we've seen in the previous regime i wanted to ask you about uh this defensive group how you've seen them be able to not only defend but it was the breakout that created a few troubles a few problems a few goals against for this club in the third period just a thought on when a team is changing a defensive system and what you're kind of looking for and maybe an appropriate timeline for this as well. Yeah. It, it, it isn't, it, isn't it fascinating though? I mean, listen, I've known Ryan Huska for a long, long time and watch him be successful and in, in everything he's ever done, be it, you know, representing Canada, going back to his days, winning the 04 Memorial cup as an assistant to Mark Habscheid to running his own program, uh, you know, with, uh, with the Kelowna Rockets. But, 
Dan Lambert is a guy who, you know, if you followed his career at all, he was a point-producing guy. So a guy who had the puck on the stick a lot as a defenseman in his junior and pro days, and a guy who I think has some of those expectations for the group he has with him. And, it, and again, it's going to be a bit of a departure from, from what was happening previously in terms of, hey, hang on to it, make a play, don't be so afraid, uh, you know, to, to get rid of it, and don't be so quick to – you know, to get it into the forwards' hands, make plays, and I think that's going to be the, the the key difference. And again, when you're not used to to that style of game, and when the style of game doesn't go your way, and and there's punishment given to you for not doing uh, things properly, be it ice time or or whatever the case might be, then I think there's a situation where players are a little tentative. And again, it's that adjustment period to understand that, hey. We want to keep the puck and make plays with the puck as opposed to, you know, dumping it in and then going and try and hound it like a, like an old school type of mentality. And that's not to say it was always that way under Daryl, but I do believe that this regime is going to want to have the puck more often and it's going to want its defense to make plays. I mean, I had a great chat with Luke Shen last year. He talked about how Adam Oates was so helpful um, in allowing him to extend his career because Adam said, hey, listen, you might not be the best skater. That's probably not going to change in your game. What you need to do is identify your best options by being able to get back on pucks as fast as you can, and now it gives you a split second or more to identify what your best option is with moving the puck forward. It's not just turn around, spin it, and get it, get it out of the way. Turn around, assess, make a play. And I think that's going to kind of be that the theme that you're going to see exude throughout this, this Calgary defense core as the season moves on. Not there yet, quite obviously. Uh, Sammy, obviously it's only two games into the season, but it's fun that our friends uh, up north are a little uh, little panicky after the start to their season. Should, should they be a little panicky about guys who, you know, have to stop the puck? <laughs> isn't this isn't this fun isn't that the greatest thing for how Calgary the tables fans? they turn my goodness well i gotta tell you like it that that first game was that was a game you'd expect in the in the dog days of winter you know in january where it's 40 below outside and it took you an hour and a half to get to the rink even though you live 10 minutes away that was that type of game that wasn't a game deserving of being game one of the season now I'm going to flip the tables a little bit. Mm. And before we talk about Edmonton and the inability to stop pucks, I do, I do want to give a lot of credit to Rick Talkin and the Vancouver Canucks. Because mm. like a lot of people, and I was tentative in saying this on our show on Friday night because we're making picks on our Canadian team's games on Saturday night, and I thought, you know what? I think Vancouver's going to, going to do something here. But I didn't have the, the cojones to do it. <laughs> but I picked Edmonton. Okay? And like most everyone, they thought Edmonton was going to come back and be a pump show on Saturday night. And they the, the Canucks weathered the storm in the first 10 or 15 minutes when, when Edmonton was flying around. And they got a few saves. And then they got into their game. And they started to frustrate the big boys. You can see some bad penalties being taken, some slashes and all that kind of stuff. And got the goaltending, got just enough to win. And got the job done. So let me give credit to Vancouver first before we, you know, go down the gauntlet and, and say some horrible things about what hap- what's happening with Edmonton. I think, though, the big key for me with Edmonton, I would have loved to have seen him start Skinner in mm. game one. Yep. <laughs> that would have been the thing for me. Yes, I understand camp and, oh, yeah, and, and, yeah, he deserved his way back into the net, Jack Campbell. 
But I think Jack Campbell did enough last year to say, you know what? I don't know, guys. Let's just go and let's take all the pressure off. Be a guy who can just be, uh, you know, ready to back up. And then maybe as the year goes on and everyone gets comfortable, you get a couple wins behind you, maybe the opportunity presents itself to, to get back into a starter's role. So what I'd say about that is they, they're going to need to get stops. They're going to need to find them in a hurry because everybody now is going to get the best. They're going to give their best to Edmonton every single night. And they're going to have to be prepared for exactly what they saw from Vancouver for 82 games. So I know it's fun for you guys there in Calgary to watch what's going on. I'd expect <laughs> a different Edmonton team and some more saves coming up here before too long. Sammy, uh, Connor Bedard, has he been at expectation, above, below? Um, to me, it's kind of exactly what I expected here. He's got a few points. He's got some highlight reel plays. The Blackhawks are losing games. Like, this is kind of what I thought would happen. <laughs> yeah, all, all of the above. And, you know, there's expectations that Hall will be back in the lineup, so that should be helpful for Connor. But, you know, the whole – the big thing about him coming into the season was how many points was he going to get. And originally I was at 30-30. And then as I watched that first game and watched what was happening in the preseason, I, I changed my expectation to 40-30, as in 40 goals, 30, mm-hmm. 30 assists. He's, he's been exactly he, – he looks like he's playing in Regina. And that's no disrespect to the opponents he's faced so far. But he's making plays. He's creative. He's skating. He's having a great time. He's handling all the pressure of coming into some really big markets here early on. And in Montreal, of course, the opening night was Sid. Now he gets a chance to do it in Toronto. So he's, he's exactly as advertised. Uh, I just hope there's, there's, there's enough help around him to be able to get him to that 70-point plateau. But point per game so far through three, it's pretty good. Just wanted to ask you about one other player that caught my eye when I was watching yesterday, the Ducks home opener against the Hurricanes, and Pavel yeah. Menchikov gets yeah. his first NHL goal, 10th overall in 2022. I'm just trying to remember where you were on Minchikov because he was one of those players that I think, looking at draft boards, he was either top 10 or he was early second round. He was all over the place, and he's had a really nice start to his season with the Ducks. He should have had two. He should have had one. There was a big scrum with about a minute and maybe two minutes left. In that game yesterday, uh, might, actually it might have been more than that because it got hairy there towards the end. He should have had two. He's, he looks like he's been in the league 10 years. Yeah. Unbelievable the way he's you know skating around, handling the puck. He's handling the physical rigors, uh, at least he did in last night's game. I was so, so impressed. But going back to his draft year, I'd have to go back and look. I think I had him at 13th. Mm. Maybe, maybe a bit higher than that. Uh, but talked a lot to the Saginaw guys about him. Chris Lazary, the head coach, Dave Drinkle, the general manager there. And they loved him. They loved his dedication to the game. Great teammate, fun guy, uh, but a really, really good player. And I think the numbers offensively stuck out. And then he got moved to Ottawa and didn't get the same opportunity that he had in Sam Cosentino, NHL uh, draft analyst and analyst on Sportsnet. Uh, Sammy Cos, always terrific stuff. Thanks for this, pal. Full National Hockey League season because he he was brilliant. Uh, okay, well, I guess we didn't hear there. Uh, Sammy, we got to run. Thanks for this, pal. Thanks, guys. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. I think he uh, just lost service in the terminal, and then it kind of worked and out, then he, and then it came back in. Right as yeah, yeah, mm. not awkward at all. Uh, Derek Wills, Voice of the Flames next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. Our man, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS analyst. Also, 830, um, we're going to give you our locks, courtesy of Calgary Lock and Safe. And uh, we'll do some text messages with Texty McTexterson. Do you want to see Matthew Phillips score tonight? If yes, why? If no, why? 960, 960, name and location. Did you know yep. that Elias Lindholm has 10 goals in his last eight games against the Capitals? Really? Yeah. So I should bet him any time goal prop tonight? I Listen. You're not saying what you're saying? Not saying, but I'm saying. Okay. Uh, the voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960 is Mr. Derek Wills, and he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm all right. How are you? Good. Um, is the is the perfect night for a Flames fan to see Matthew Phillips score yet the Flames win? I guess it depends on uh, what <laughs> Flames fan uh, you're asking. Uh, some Flames fans might want the Flames to win uh, by way of shutout, and okay. other ones might uh, enjoy that feel-good story of the uh, underdog Calgary kid uh, who didn't really get an opportunity under Daryl Sutter to uh, stick it to his old team uh, for the Capitals, but in a Flames win. So uh, I I personally uh, really like Matt Phillips. I had a chance to spend uh, quite a bit of time with him this summer. He is, uh, like I am, a member of Prittis Green's Golf and Country Club. Shout out. Actually won uh, our Black Club Championships with three incredible rounds. Shot 72 in the first round. And I will admit that I said to a bunch of people after the first round, I'm like, there's no way he's going to follow that up in the second round. Well, he did. He shot 66. Six oh, boy. Par. And then he shot 76 in the third round and won by, I think, about nine shots. So, uh, mm. and he's, he's such a great guy. And... Growing up, watching the Rocky movies, uh, I do cheer for the underdog, and Matt Phillips has been an underdog his whole career, so uh, I'm pulling for the kid, but not tonight. Derek, uh, Flames took their first loss of the season in Pittsburgh back on Saturday. Uh, you would have obviously had the call of this one. Where did it, oh, well, I think I know where it went wrong, but where did yeah. you see this one going wrong for the Penguins? Uh, well, it went wrong for the Flames in the first six minutes of the third period. Uh, I thought they were fantastic in the first 40 minutes especially at five on five i mean outside of them taking some bad penalties in the first period and the penguins uh, getting a lot of chances in the power play uh, i thought the flames played almost a perfect road game in the first 40 minutes and then kind of a fortuitous bounce for the penguins on that uh, first goal by brian rust in the third where he banks it in off the back of jacob markstrom and that led to uh, a tough six minute stretch and uh, the Flames, to their credit, uh, kept coming after that, just uh, couldn't capitalize on all of their shots and chances. It actually reminded me a lot of so many of the games that they played and, and lost last season, where they outshot, outchanced, and outplayed their opponent, but didn't outscore them. So uh, other than that six-minute stretch to start the third, guys, I uh, quite liked the Flames uh, on Saturday night, but uh, didn't uh, really mean much at the end when they lost 5-2. to two. Uh, what have you made of Noah Hannafin's season so far? A little up and down. Uh, congrats to him for playing in his 600th NHL game on Saturday. Uh, one of the youngest defensemen to do it. Uh, he's got a couple of assists, but you know, on the flip side of that uh, is minus three. And uh, I still think that, and this just doesn't apply just to Hannafin. I think it applies to almost everybody on the team. They're struggling a little bit with this new way of playing in the defensive zone. Uh, having gone from 
man on man. And there aren't many teams that play that way anymore, but they did under Daryl Sutter. And obviously it worked really well for one year and not so well for another year uh, to zone under Ryan Huska. And uh, I asked Mark Savard about it on Saturday and he said, it's probably going to take the guys around 10 games to, to get to the point where they can play in this new system without having to think too much about playing in this new system and think about where they should be and what they should be doing. And, and one thing I keep noticing is that the defensemen and the wingers keep putting the puck in a spot where they think they should have support and there's nobody there. So I'm not saying that it's their fault or that it's the fault of the, the, the winger or the centerman that should be there for an outlet pass in the D zone. But uh, they, they keep making that mistake, and it's almost like they're reverting to the way that they used to play, or they're assuming that they've got support when they don't, which I guess they probably shouldn't. But the game is so fast. If, if you're thinking out there instead of just reacting, chances are bad things are going to happen. But if, if you're not thinking and just reacting, <laughs> bad things are going to happen too. So I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. That, yeah, and and I think that we all knew that it was going to take a little bit of time, too. Um, The power play, on the other hand, has been something that has looked pretty solid through a couple of games. It has, and and I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, Mark Savard has been a power play savant, both as a player and as a coach. And I thought that could take some time as well. And it was really hard to get a read on the power play, or, or for that matter, the penalty kill. Uh, for that matter, anything during the preseason because uh, you didn't really get uh, a full lineup on both sides very often. So I found it hard to evaluate uh, pretty much everything. But uh, the power play has looked pretty sharp in the first couple of games. And I would say that the big change for me, fellas, it's a lot less static than it was at times last season. And the Flames didn't really go out of their way to practice the power play last season. That's something that some people probably might not know, but was brought to my attention by someone in the organization. And, you know, they, I'm not saying they didn't practice it at all because they did, but, you know, for example, there was a day last week where they practiced the power play before practice on fresh ice. And then they practiced the power play again near the end of practice on bad ice. Didn't see that once last season. So there has been a concerted effort by the coaches and the players to to put the time in and to work on special teams. And I think that's paying off for the group early in the season. Derek Wills is the voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960. Joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sportsbook guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose. Um, Who's the best wingers for Nazem Kadri? I don't know. That's a good question. I think the coaches are trying to figure that out too. Uh, I would also ask uh, who's the best centerman for Matt Coronado. And I'm not sure it's not. I'll tell Kadri. you who the best winger is for him. Okay, tell me. Jonathan Huberto. See, and that makes some sense. And that's why I do wonder if sooner rather than later, and who knows, maybe even tonight uh, in the game against the Capitals, if we see Matt Coronado on the right side of a line with Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto. Because Lindholm and Coronado, I think you could argue, are the best shooters the Flames have at forward. And... I guess the the pushback, if, if I'm going to argue with myself here, would be that they're both right-handed shots. So that's maybe not ideal because you don't have a lot of right-handed shots up front. So do you want to put two of them on the same line? But Huberto's the best passer they have. There's no doubt about that. And uh, Lindholm and Coronado are two of the best shooters they have. So I do wonder if they go down that road at some point in time. But 
again, they might be leery to do that because they want to spread out those righties. So we'll have to wait and see. But the thing about Nazem Kadri, and I thought he was really good in the preseason, and I thought he was really good on Wednesday against the Jets. I thought he kind of struggled. I thought that whole line kind of struggled on Saturday against the Penguins. But he, he likes to hold the puck, and he likes to shoot the puck. So he's not the best distributor, and that's just who he is as a player. It's not that he can't pass. It's just that I think he'd rather shoot. But you've got some other centermen who I think can find more of a happy medium there in Elias Lindholm and, and Michael Backlund. And those are really the three options as far as the centerman goes for Matt Coronado. To, to come back to your original question, I think Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubé could be a really good duo just because they both play with pace. Uh, they both play with grit. They can both be an absolute pain in the butt to play against. And they both like to shoot it. So I guess um, on the left or the right side of that line, depending on what side you're playing Dubé on, you probably need uh, a player who can distribute it more. So uh, again, the line combinations, I think they're going to be fluid for a little while here. They're looking for at least duos that work and they've got some duos they can fall back to. For example, uh, they've fallen back to Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman again, which they didn't really do during the preseason. But uh, the reason I'm, I'm guessing is because they knew, they knew they could fall back to it in the regular season and probably not miss a beat. So uh, I still think with uh, a new group of players and a new way of playing, they're trying to figure out who works together and, and who doesn't. What did you make of Sharon Govich in a different role down in the fourth line? I actually quite like that fourth line. Now, long-term, I'd rather not see Igor Sharangovich playing on the fourth line. You traded your leading goal scorer and point producer from a season ago in Tyler Toffoli to, to get him in a third-round pick. But he looks, to me, guys, like he's trying to, to figure out who he is and how he fits on this team. I, I've liked him without the puck and defensively, but offensively, he looks a little lost to me right now. Looks like he's maybe lacking a little bit of confidence. And maybe that uh, comes from his stats taking uh, a bit of a dive from season two to season three. And, you know, he hasn't been very productive for the Flames offensively since the start of the preseason. But, you know, that line uh, I thought was really good against the Penguins with uh, him centering A.J. Greer and Walker Dewar. And I think the Flames' fourth line is going to give other teams some matchup issues this season. Greer's been a really nice fit. Uh, for a guy they picked up for nothing on waivers. And I think Dewar is a high-end fourth-line player in this league. So, you know, right now, I, I don't mind them allowing Sharon Govich to play between those two guys just as he kind of finds his way. But in the longer term, i definitely like to see him in the top nine. But uh, he's he's got a lot of tools. I asked Ryan Huska about him last week. Uh, Huska thinks he's got a lot of upside, but it's just a matter of uh, trying to figure out who he is and, and where he fits here. Uh, Derek, before I let you go, uh, I have to ask you about your Miami Dolphins real quick. Mm -hmm. um, another big win yesterday over the Panthers, but uh, the teams they've beaten this season, a combined 4-22, and and the show-me game so far for their season, they got waxed in Buffalo yeah. by the Bills. Like, how big is this stretch coming up against the Eagles, the Chiefs? Like, are the Dolphins legitimate Super Bowl contenders? I think they are, absolutely. I mean, that game in Buffalo was ugly right from well not from the get-go because the two teams traded touchdowns on their first two possessions and then uh, the Dolphins couldn't get a stop on defense and, and the offense just couldn't keep up but uh, that was their third road game in four weeks and playing in arguably the the toughest stadium in the league and playing without their 
best offensive lineman in Teron Armstead and playing without their center, which might have been a bigger deal. Connor Williams was out for that game. And Liam Eikenberg getting his first ever start at center looked completely lost. And apparently uh, he's supposed to uh, call out the defensive coverage and, and he wasn't doing that. So and it was it was a disaster. It was a bad game. But you know, the Bills are a good team. But uh, yesterday was interesting because they fell behind 14 to nothing because clearly they weren't ready to play. And we're probably looking ahead to the next Sunday night's game against the Eagles. And then I'm sitting there. I wasn't even worried. I knew they'd come back. Uh, they just flipped the switch. They woke up on both sides of the ball and scored 35 straight points. And uh, the game was over uh, before the end of the third quarter. So um, I'm excited about this team. They're loaded on both sides of the ball. Sounds like Jalen Ramsey, who uh, was injured in the preseason, could practice this week and is way ahead of schedule. So you add a guy who might be your best player on defense. They're still trying to figure it out on defense under Vic Fangio as well. But that offense, they're on a historic pace. I think they've got the most points and most yards through six weeks in NFL history. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's an exciting team to cheer for. And I feel like after uh, all those years of suffering uh, since Dan Marino, that uh, I'm getting rewarded for that finally. Mm. It's been a long, it's been a long and winding and bumpy road. Yeah, a uh, good thing that uh, when um, Tyree Kill pulled up lame, it wasn't a hamstring injury; it was just cramps. And yeah. uh, good that the NFL is going to find him for uh, recording that touchdown because you know, heaven forbid, the league has some fun like that <laughs> with one of its superstar players. How about last week when it, when he jumped up into the crowd and he was handing the ball to a fan who turned out to be his mom? Yeah, and then he got fined and penalized for that as well yeah, yeah it's uh, it's the no fun league for sure yeah and, and when he took the guy's camera or phone or whatever that was that he took from the guy after scoring that touchdown and did a backflip with it yeah i'm like oh he's gonna get a penalty here for sure and he's probably going to find and uh you got a penalty and you'll probably get fined but as yep. you said after the game yesterday i don't care yeah. that was a video for nfl uk as well that was on their well, their twitter or their tiktok the or whatever right after yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, your Bengals are looking a little bit better, Maddie. Yeah, step in the right direction. I don't want to talk about them. I just want them okay, to keep right. doing their thing. Right. Okay. All right. I'm still worried, but they're they're uh, they're doing it. Okay. We'll talk soon, pal. Thanks. Okay, guys. Have a good one. There's Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Flames and Capitals tonight. He'll have the call. A puck drop just after 5 p.m. Straight ahead. Charles Davis, NFL on CBS. Lots of things to discuss with Charles Davis. Including Fiona. Yeah. What? Oh, you weren't watching the Bengals Seahawks broadcast? I did a little Fiona? bit. Oh, no. I watched the whole thing. Okay. Uh, we'll do that next. Big show, Russick and Rose. It was Sports a big hippo. And she ate a big gourd. It was really good. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Sorry. Oh, did you see the guy who went down the Missouri in a carved out pumpkin? What? Yeah. Um, Sportsnet. <laughs> what? Yeah. Sportsnet 960, the fan.